everyone it's chris and christian <laughs> <laughs> and you're listening to two people struggling to record <laughs> the radio arcade podcast oh uh, yeah so okay so we were just okay we were just talking about we were just talking about the witcher and henry cavill and right. and yeah. and Superman. okay okay so we settled on um they're damned if they do the damned if they don't you you were you were damned yeah. if they do the damned if they don't wherein yeah where and actually you explain your position. I'm not going to talk. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's a little bit of damned if you do damned if you don't. Um, and ultimately like, hear me, I'm on the side of it sucks that he's gone as Superman. Uh, I loved that dude as Superman, even if the Superman stuff he was in was bad. Cause sorry, but man of steel, not that good. The, the uh, Batman, first, the Superman, one? the first, First yeah. Superman? You didn't you didn't not even I feel I feel like the one scene where all the pebbles rise around him and he flies into the sky, I feel like that is that that makes it a great movie. <laughs> uh, it's a great scene. Yeah. I mean you, I do, don't, you don't need any other scenes even. You could just have that and then that could be the rest like that's all the Superman you really need. I think that's so, so what you want is a three hour cut of a 30 second scene. Yeah, if you can extrapolate upon that, like how epic that was, and then, you know, apply that evenly to the rest of the movie, I think that'd be great. Oh, yeah. No, so Man of Steel, I mm. think, was like a missed opportunity. I remember how great the trailer was. Um, I remember how hype it was getting me for Superman, mm -hmm. but it was also very much. And none of this is on Henry Cavill because his performance was great. But I'm like, he's got he could also do a great traditional Superman, uh, not a Superman movie where Pa Kent is like, yeah, you should let those kids die. Or, yeah, I'm going to go stand in this tornado. No, you can't save me like illogical crap like that mm. or where Jorel is reduced to Clippy or we're getting like a three <laughs> <laughs> like 45 minute destruction fest just like hey let's increase everything where Superman I don't think saves a single person <laughs> like it's not he's figuring it's it not, out Chris. <laughs> it, it, it's just I, I have no I, I don't even have a problem with the super neck snap because yeah. Superman will kill if necessary yeah. he will fight it as much as possible but if no other choice which the movie did a good job of painting him as having no other choice but I was missing actually Superman being Superman and saving people mm. none of that's on Cavill that's on Snyder I feel uh, yeah, yeah Batman that's Superman I, can I, terrible can I, can I stop you there because yeah. I feel like we've we have we've gotten a lot of that right we had we had the the Donner or whatever Donner right yeah the Donner first one and a half so he was he was your classic superman i assume that's what we were talking right. about right? okay okay and then we had um rouse brennan ruth rouse and i feel yeah. like he was also that superman um yeah. maybe not done as 
well as we all would have liked. But essentially, I, I feel like if they had gone for that Superman, but not gone for such an homage to the original movies, it would have been a lot better. Uh, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, well, we had those Superman. I, I like I like Cavill Superman. I like the I I like the gritty, realistic, the the more morally, like he he he's not so black and white, you know. Um, but not yet, at least not yet, right? Um, well, I, so I, I I don't even need it to be just like pure Donner Superman because heck, Superman Returns shows that the time for that kind of movie exactly as that has come and gone yeah. just because Superman returns one of its biggest flaws, even one of its simultaneously, one of its biggest strengths is it's a 1970s superhero movie in 2005 yeah. or 2006. It doesn't work like that anymore, No, but I'm not saying you have to have Superman uh, like wave at the camera or look to the camera as he's flying and John <laughs> Williams' amazing scores crescendoing. <laughs> like that that part that part exists. It will always exist. We can move on from that, but Superman could still in any inter any inter iteration, even when they've done the Elseworld tales, mm. where he's gone the dictator route, <laughs> where he's gone any route, it's still at his core someone who will try to save people, even if he's gone rogue. Mm -hmm. Like he'll still try to save others. And just a couple scenes, just just a couple scenes of while he's destroying Metropolis with Zod. Just have him fly in, grab somebody, fly him out, and then just go back to punch and Zod. I think like we, we've even just talked a about little it. bit. We talked about <laughs> this before, where like my issue, and I think I don't know if, which Superman movie it was in. It might even be um, Batman versus Superman, but it was it, it was it was like they don't even have to have him saving people because, like we were talking about, it, it's like he's just thrown into this. Like he doesn't even really know how to fight. Like the guy or his power, like all of it is just new to him, right? Right, right. So, um. But at least show some scene of him realizing, holy crap, wait a minute, there are a bunch of people, like, and then him having to wrestle with that in some point, but they never actually, there's so many little things they could have done in those movies, little tiny things that would not have taken up any time, that could have been done in a scene that already exists, that would have fixed a lot of issues that I personally had with, with the films. But anyway, okay, so point is, they started the rebooting the DCU, right? Is that yeah? Okay, so okay. with uh, they brought in James Gunn, yeah, uh, to basically Feige it. Um, and out of DC's recent movies like Black Adam, I'm not sure its critical reception was all right. Um, its reports and those are what they are are whether like it's speculation whether or not it's actually going to turn a profit or just break even. Um, like it ended up ballooning in budget and how much it cost. The last big success for DC, uh, weirdly enough, was the Suicide Squad. Like, even though, yes, there's been super pets, like, I can't include the Batman because it exists outside of this continuity. So James Gunn did the Suicide Squad. Yeah, it, like, didn't make a billion dollars, but also it was during COVID and a simultaneous home release. So it is what it is. Mm. But they're like, look, Wonder Woman 84... Not exactly loved. Wait, what are, uh, wait, wait. wait. That, talking, okay, so wait, what are we talking about right now? Because we were talking about Cavill being removed to Superman. No, so, okay. Yes, beca because I feel because like we're getting James like Gunn a, is coming in. Like we're getting a 
hey, how how should we defend James Gunn here? And and I don't oh, give no, a crap no, no, about no. defending well, him. That was not the question I asked, Chris. That was not, that's not the topic. Okay? I'm painting the picture, though. I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what's going on. He's coming in. A second grader's version of this picture. <laughs> Explain like I'm five. <laughs> Explain like you're five. Okay. Uh, you run a lemonade stand. Yeah. <laughs> That's you have to begin. Except every, every you're putting like cranberries in your lemonade, and yeah, people yeah. are like, "What the hell?" So now they're getting your bigger brother, to, someone else, to come in and run your lemonade stand. He's like, instead of running this spoiled batch, I'm just gonna throw out everything you've made and start anew. That's basically what's going on. Yeah. See, I felt like James Gunn was a good choice, and then I heard that he was. Uh, not going forward with Henry Cavill as Superman anymore. And now I realize that he was a terrible choice and it was a bad mistake. Um, and we're going to see that play out over the next probably five to 10 years with like just botched releases of, of new <laughs> of re- botched reboots over and over and over again. Just just a decade of botches. That's what we're gonna see. So how is that any different than what's been going on? It's basically? not. It's not. They might as well have not brought Gun in and not gotten rid of Cavill and just gone on with the Snyderverse because it doesn't matter anyway. It's all going to be a <laughs> I uh, so I'm I'm willing to give I'm willing to give the the reboot uh I'm willing to give it a chance um it's a shame that Cavill's not involved just because consistently he rose above the material and that's the thing where I'm like this guy's a like tremendous actor he's also a tremendous Superman Mm. he shows he can take flawed direction and do well with flawed material Mm. I'd love to see him given good direction and much more solid material but it it is almost damned if you do damned if you don't because people general audiences will still be like oh i guess this is connected and if they're trying to get far away from something they have to remove as many connections as possible yeah yeah i mean i don't know man i i just feel like there's so much you know so much like I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's a. I don't think it matters. I don't think that matters. I don't. I, I don't think that that like people are gonna. <sighs> hmm. That really that really makes me wonder about how much because there's so many things going into like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the DC Cinematic Universe, or whatever that you kind of mm-hmm. have to know. Like if you missed a movie or you missed a cartoon or if you missed a thing, you got to go and like do some research before you go and watch it. And I wonder. I guarantee like. I see like the majority of people going are just going because it's the big movie that's out, right? They don't care about the continuity. They don't care about it. They don't, they're like, oh, Sexy Cavill's back. I want to go see Sexy Cavill as Superman, right? <laughs> if anything, that's, that's all the more reason to keep Cavill in because people are like, well, that's not the sexy Superman I, I paid to see. What's going on? <laughs> so, <laughs> no, uh, so, <laughs> I, I, th- I just think he was a great, he was a great Superman and, and you made some good points, but I said, but I, I feel like they're, they're, they're decent points, right? But I don't think they're necessary to, like, I don't think they're rules. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they're so, <sighs> yeah. Yeah. It's not like casting, uh, it's not like trying to cast Robert Downey Jr. as a person of color now, right? It's not like that. It's not like something. It's like no, that's a rule we can't break. We can't do that, <laughs> you know. But the the whole oh like, my gosh, Tropic Thunder, <laughs> Superman in the bad Superman movies doesn't necessarily preclude shouldn't preclude him from being the Superman in potentially good Superman movies, right? But 
it was what it is. But we were talking about here's the thing that I wanted to talk about. Here's the thing I wanted to get to because I feel like this is like <laughs> the beanie conversation because we were talking about how like, I had brought up how he was removed from the Witcher show and that right he had played he played uh, Geralt yeah Geralt uh, the star like the protagonist and he was very involved in like the writing and and not the direction in the sense of like he was a director but the 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 direction in in the sense of which way the show is moving um, right. And he is a huge fan of like Warhammer and The Witcher and like all these nerd properties, right? Um, and I, I'm a nerd. I'm a geek. I, I'm not using the term pejoratively. So, um, <laughs> there's this, there's rumors about uh, there was a conflict between him and the writers and how the writers sort of wanted to go their own way and they didn't want to stick too much to the um, source material like the games and the books and how he wanted to. St- stick very much to the source material of the games and books because uh, I mean I, I assume the reasons were the same reasons I would if I were in his position wherein we are making a show about this property because right. this property is profitable and popular why would we change anything about it the whole reason we're making a show about it is because it is what it is right like if you wanted to make it different why don't you go and make another show a different show your own show oh you can't Okay, so here's here's now now okay, so we're getting to it. We're getting to it. So we couldn't verify whether or not that was absolutely true. I felt that it likely was, and I cited what we see, what I feel I've seen from writers over the past like five, ten years, where and and you mentioned that this is actually a common thing, um, yeah, wherein writers are they are resentful for having to work within the framework that someone else has written. So they try to sort of break it and make it their own and put their own thing on it and make it about them and their work. Right. And uh, to me, like as an artist, I think that's gross. <laughs> I think it's super gross. Like I, I, I feel uh, my opinion is if you want something that you can put your mark on, you make it. What you're doing is you're signing up for a responsibility right, to um, shepherd and respect and cultivate something that already exists. It's, it's not yours. It's not about you. It's about this, right? You're, you're doing a job. Um, so I really resent that when, when writers don't, when they feel that they know better than the person that wrote the property that is now becoming a movie, <laughs> <laughs> so they're like hey that you're you've been hired to work on with like 20 other people you know what i mean like it's it's like who are you dude you're not the guy that wrote this you're not the person that wrote this and and that people want to like invest billions of dollars in to make a movie out of so they can make more money you're not that person you got to go work within those rules right so anyway anyway that's that's my i i really really whenever i see writers doing that i I get so angry for it because it's about ego. It's, it's, it's the hubris, right? It's the hubris of it. Right. Right. It's like that kind of thing. I, I, I thousand percent get where you're coming from. Um, where most of the time where some of the changes I'm like, okay, is this a writer change or is this a studio pressure kind of change Mm -hmm. where it's like, Hey, we've invested, I don't know, let's say, a hundred million dollars, three hundred million dollars into this. So then it you it's then the art the art or the film or the show is becoming more of a commodity and they're looking for that return of investment. So you can understand at times they'll change stuff where it's like, oh well, yeah, the game's very successful, but we want to get it to an even wider reaching audience. 
Greetings, listener. Um, I just wanted to add in a little clip because this conversation reminded me of uh, something I saw on the show Mythic Quest. Uh, to set up a little context, uh, we have David, the game director, coming into the office of Sue, the community manager. Uh, she basically has to liaison with all the players um, of the game. Uh, Mythic Quest is about a game development company and their game, Mythic Quest. So um, what we're going to hear is an interchange between them where he lets her know that they're going to be making a movie out of the game. I just want you to hear it from me for it. It's the old trades. You know, again, it's, it's nothing personal. It's just business. Just business. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, you like that? You know, things have just been so much better since you started leading MQ. You know, you gave me your old office. Oh, and well, access but... to fresh air and sunlight. You know, my plants and I are forever in your debt. Yeah, I see you have a lot of plants and, uh, and cat things, too. A lot of cat things. Well, I hope to have one one day. <laughs> Fingers crossed. You don't have a cat? Not yet. Now, can I just ask for one more little fever? Sure thing. Don't do it. Sorry? The players, they hate adaptations of games. They haven't even seen ours. They don't have to, and they won't. <laughs> they will band together online, ruin its reputation, and spew pure evil at us, specifically me. Okay, Sue, ours is gonna be different. You know, it'll be accessible to everyone, not just gamers. They will hate that. When it's more so the artist doing that spin, I'd be like, look, we, we live in a, we live in the day and age now more than ever. Uh, where we have access to these properties. Fan productions are a thing. Fan videos, fan audio dramas or whatever. These are things that can be done and done really well. Mm. Uh, if you want to do your take on that, you have that creative outlet. You just won't get paid for it. Like, And if that's coming down to it, it's like, look, is this about making the story or about you getting a paycheck? Because if it's about you getting a paycheck, play by the rules if it's not about getting a paycheck but you feel you have a story to tell with these characters within this world or an updated version of it or whatever you can go the fan production route where you will make no income but you can still do that story and have that sense of authorship mm. there's some outstanding fan production stuff that i've seen and listened to power rangers the audio drama like if you want if you're listener, if you're hearing this podcast and you're like, what would be a more young adult, like a not YA novel, but young adult version of Power Rangers where it addresses address some of those themes and the characters will swear and there's the realities of death and what they do going on around? Power Rangers, the audio drama is your friend. Mm. It's a fantastic fan production, but they make sure they're like, no, they're like, we've got no affiliation. There is no profit, nothing. There's great fan films within like, say the Friday, the 13th franchise or Star Wars or so many things where it's like, hey, I can put the story. I can play in the sandbox and I can put my spin on it, but. Like, it's not about the paycheck. If it's strictly about the paycheck, go do something else. You don't need to do the 1998 Roland Emmerich Iguana Godzilla movie where it's like, well, no, I'll come in, but I got to be able to have carte blanche. No, no. If you can't play, if, if you can't do the assignment, bugger off. Do something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like sympathetic <laughs> to studios getting involved. I think they're like, you kind of have to, you know, if you hear something about, like, for instance, with the Witcher situation, there's, like, accounts or apparently alleged, you know, 
the writers took issue with Cavill. Cavill took issue with the writers. I mean, um, so I wouldn't describe like anything where like, you know, for instance, the mm-hmm. Halo show, I don't know how, how or why that was messed up so badly, but it was, it was messed up terribly. I didn't even know there was a Halo show. Yeah. But yeah, so they, I don't know. They made a bunch of ridiculous changes. It, uh, it didn't make any sense. And now that could have been Paramount. That could have been the writers. I don't know. Right. I'm not going to ascribe, like, I'm not going to say that's a situation where, and that happened, but, Mm-hmm. There are situations wherein we know after the fact that people may not have had, you know, a plan for writing the next three movies in one of the biggest franchises that ever existed. Or, <laughs> you know, they might not have had. <laughs> you know, I'm serious, though. And and when you when you look at the answers coming out of, you know, JJ or Ryan afterwards, it's pretty, pretty gross, pretty gross. Like it's <sighs> I mean, y- you know, separating yourself from, like, I have an emotional attachment to this franchise, Star Wars, um, just as a person who, like, if I'm going to do a job, you know, there's certain moral implications there, which a lot of people don't... I'm, I'm different than a lot of people, where, like, if, you know, if I sign up for something, I'm going to... It's damn well going to get done, right? I'm going to do it right. I'm not going to put my name on it, that type of thing, right? Um, so, I don't know, man. I just, I feel like... <sighs> yeah, I feel like... If you're going to make a movie out of something out of something that's already successful, right? Be as faithful to that thing as possible because there is a reason it was that successful to begin with, right? It doesn't need you changing. It doesn't need improvement. We're this, this should be a slam dunk. <laughs> you make a movie if you make a show about One Piece, if you make a a movie about a cyberpunk or anything, it should be a total slam dunk. It's all there. It's easy. Just make it exactly the same as the game. Like look at The Last of Us. The Last of Us is coming out. It is every frame of like cinematics in that game is in the show it follows the show beat for beat now there's a few things that are added into the show that were supposed to be in the game but weren't because all in all i think if you add all the cinematics of the game it's probably about six hours so they need about three hours more but you know there's all the stuff they don't show in the game there's months that go by that they don't show you know what i mean uh so i think that's the way to do it (laughs) no one needs your input just give us the money make it exactly like it was watch the money flow in and then you can take all the credit you want for making something great you know <laughs> it's like they want to they want to mess it up with actually putting their subpar work into it it's like just throw the money at it let the people who know what they're doing do the work and then it's like ah oh, i was great at it right like with the writers they should just come in and be like hey, my name's on that movie I mean, I did it exactly like the game, but my name's there. You know what I mean? Like, the, but no, they gotta, they gotta, they they need that extra little ego thing of like, oh yeah, I'm gonna change that, and this is better because I did it. And like, it's it's anyway. <laughs> I'm like, I, this is all an interesting conversation to me, just because mm-hmm. like me growing up on on comic book movies and everything, um, and there are going to be certain games or shows or comics where the adaptation in in live action or even just the translation of the story where in a comic or a video game you're in the pov of that character but now you got to be removed from that pov Mm. like it will like the different setting will necessitate some changes Mm. i struggle with words um and for me it's like for the longest time and still to a degree I'm like, as long as it captures the, like, actually accurately captures the essence of the story, like, it 
it's not an in-name only kind of thing. If it tracks with the theme or the essence of the story, I'm down for it. Days of Fu- like X-Men Days of Futures Past is a great example of this. Like the comic story is utterly fantastic. But with how they did the movies, especially when they were looking at like, hey, we're going to combine the the first three with that cast and the new cast and we're going to do a a C prequel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It necessitated a lot of changes from the book, but it still captured a lot of the essence from that book, even though it changed the characters and changed some of the things where I'm like, no, that's I'm not going to call it Days of Futures Past in name only. If you want to read the best version of it, read the book. Mm. But it's a decent it's it's a pretty decent or I dare I say good adaptation of the story. Because you can't just do the Days of Futures Past story in any X-Men franchise right now because you have to have, like, five, ten years of preceding stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it wouldn't make sense to bring people back from the future if you didn't know who these people were and, and they had no... Exactly. Um, I wanted to say, because you had mentioned that with, uh, like, you know, you had said, oh, if you want to do, like, a gritty, non-traditional take on the Power Rangers, you know, you can make fan films and stuff like that. And then I thought... Well, I would actually like to see a gritty sort of realistic version of the Power Rangers made by like a major studio, right? And and I was like, well, that just, does that make me a hypocrite? And then I thought, well, no, not, not necessarily because Power Rangers is in its nature an iterative um, property, right? Um, and and I think there's a there's some leeway there for that. I mean, obviously, it's always been a kid's show, so there's only so much you can change, right? Uh, but I mean, if you're going to open that you know, that gate into the, the adult realm, then, I mean, you shouldn't preclude everything. You know, you shouldn't be like, well, that's not Power Rangers. It's like, well, no, it hasn't been because Power Rangers is a kid's show. Imagine if it weren't, right? Um, and I think there's a little leeway there. And it's, but, but with comics, I think it, there's so much leeway there. I, don't, I feel like you can make the argument both that, because there's some comics like with X-Men where, you know, it's been around so long and it's changed so much and the members have changed so much. And, and uh, comics like Spider-Man or Batman where they've hit them from every single angle you can. There's like, I mean, look at the end of the Spider-Verse. There's like literally hundreds of different Spider-Men, right? And they're all uh, they're apparently canon now and they all exist somewhere. And it's, it's uh, blows my mind. I don't like that. As someone who has a terrible short-term memory and can't like keep a bunch of things in their mind at once, that I, it's... <laughs> It makes you want to curl into a ball, like like a little potato. <laughs> so I'll, I'll quickly say to that, I think, uh, like, Marvel, Marvel, I think, to a degree, has a problem uh, in the comics. When, when, the, when these, I'm fine with all these characters being canon. Mm. What, where it gets tricky, though, or not tricky, where it dilutes, especially with Spider-Man, is when they're all in the same universe consistently. Like I'm, I'm fine with there being derivative characters of Peter Parker in the mainline Spider-Man universe. Uh, I'm fine with Kane Parker existing as Scarlet Spider. That's the avenue where it's like, look, this is a Spider-Man who doesn't hesitate and put like doesn't hesitate and not pulling his punches. This is the Spider-Man who will like like he protrudes spikes like Stinger, like Spider Stingers. He will lobotomize 
Cletus Cassidy. He'll stab him in the head to like lobotomize him. That's out of character for Peter Parker. That is not for Kane Parker. That's a way you can tell that story with that character and you don't have to lead edgelord Spider-Man up. Like, I'm fine with derivative characters existing, but when it's too many who are like, I'm the Spider-Man, mm-hmm. like Miles is, or like Miguel in 2099, mm-hmm. or... A- any plethora of the versions, if they all exist in the same universe, then what, like, Spider-Man's, none of them are special. None of them are special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too. Like, you were talking about, like, the even, I mean, there's all these different, they're not Peter Parker, they're, they're all literally different people, right? But they're all Spider-Man. Um, but the thing is that when you start getting different iterations of Peter himself, and it's like, who? how am I supposed to care about any of these people? I mean, like, how am I, like, is it, is this Peter, like, AX100059, or is it a, or which one was mine that I grew up with? I don't know. I, I have no idea. So right. it's like, it doesn't, to me, it's weird to have, and, and, you know, when you watch the trailer, it's so emotional and it gets you, I'm like, well, it would have to be because, like, you know, there's no reason to care about any of the characters because they're one of, like, literally trillions of infinite versions of that one character, never mind. Like, you know, like Spider-Gwen, that's the one that we're watching, that's one trillion, you know, 0.001 or something, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, an infinite amount of Spider-Gwens, why is this one special? Is that the same one as last time? Do we, are these the two characters that we saw last time? Are these slightly different characters who are a minute ahead somehow of the other ones? And that's the only difference between their timelines, because they're, again, they're infinite ones. So uh, I'll, I'll quickly speak to that, but I'm, I get where you're coming from. I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> uh, same Spider-Gwen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I know the they spider- are, but oh yeah, but how do we know? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, and that's the that's the other thing where if it, when they go multiversal with that, what I like is the distinctions where it's not just like oh, this is Peter Parker X one like no, no this no, isn't no. Yeah, Peter yeah, yeah. Parker THX twenty one forty eight or whatever. Yeah, 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 like it's. What the original Ultimate Run did well was it was like, hey, let's instead of having Peter be in the 60s, like what happens if he was a teen and all our heroes were in the late 90s, early 2000s? And then like you grew with him. It was great for the most part, at least the Spider-Man line readaptations of these like of these classic characters just with a more updated thing. But then when you got to miles and they've done a great job with him in the p and the the insomniac games where it's like hey you can have these two characters coexist because they've got a similar power base but they're also two very different people like getting it to miles where miles is the spider-man and it's not a different version of peter parker that's i think where the multiversal stuff succeeds the most where it's not just like hey this is peter parker in a different setting like miles is very much his own character his own beats spider uh like spider gwen same thing uh like peter parker isn't even my favorite spider-man my favorite spider-man is miguel o'hara uh spider-man 2099 um he's got such a great character arc in his original run that's very different from peter but when it's the same uh, way when it's just like oh it's just Peter, but derivative. Sorry, I'm repeating myself, and I, I I'm monologuing. I'm sorry. Okay. Um. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. So uh, we could talk about um. I have a bunch of links I wanted to discuss. 
there's a few things I wanted to do. Some house cleaning uh, from last episode, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, this is going to be hard now, given your behavior, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, so I wanted to... <laughs> given your uh, <laughs> insistence... Oh, no. Okay, so I wanted to thank you. Don't feel it anymore. <laughs> I wanted to thank you for being so sweet at the end of the last episode. <laughs> These are just words, Chris. Again, I don't feel it anymore. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we're gonna have the same conversation we did before later. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm messing with you. No, 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 no. So I want to, I want to thank you for being sweet at the end of uh, when I was like, "Hey, man, did I mess up by speaking for 25 minutes about barbarian?" <laughs> and you were like, "No, man, you're enthusiastic. I like listening to you when you're enthusiastic." So that was fun, and I, I was like, "You were very, you, you were somewhat reassuring. You were." Very good at it. I have ammo if I want to mess with you, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> Gosh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, so thank you. Um, I don't know. what. Oh, I want to apologize to you because I cut these out of the podcast, but I, I remember having opinions, very strong opinions that I actually don't really have. <laughs> like, <laughs> I get it. It's we... Well, sometimes as we're discussing things passionately, it's almost like we'll work ourselves into a shoot. <laughs> and afterwards, it's like... Yeah, I've literally never thought about that before. <laughs> I seem to have a very, very strong offensive opinion about it. <laughs> like, to, to paint an example, I'm, I'm feeling, like, legit. I actually do feel bad. About cutting you off earlier. It's fine. Be- no, no, no. I, no, no, I know, I know, but I'm using it to illustrate. <laughs> like, where I got so worked up in the moment where I'm like, no, I'm still talking, where I'm like, bruh, it was a conversation. You could have let them speak. Yeah, I'm not I'm feeling that right you. now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was the other thing? Uh, give. Oh, so the guy who was texting me, uh, the wrong number. Um, you probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, I don't remember. I, I would never have remembered if I wasn't just listening to the podcast. So, <laughs> um, I ended up texting back because he ended up texting me more like later on in the day. And I was like, Look, dude, I'm really sorry. I should have texted you back immediately and told you it was the wrong number. I didn't. I thought you'd figure it out. I've been kind of busy too. Anyway, again, I'm very sorry. Please stop texting me. LOL. <laughs> and then he texted me back. LOL, my B. <laughs> Ah, at least he was a pro about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's really cool. He, he's just like, oh, damn. <laughs> like, he's probably probably miffed, but like how apologetic I was. And like, dude, I'm so sorry. I messed up. Just please stop texting me. <laughs> at, at least you didn't have to send a photo of yourself in a Boba Fett hoodie being like, this ain't Sharon. This yeah. is Boba Fett. <laughs> like, I got like one nip out and I'm trying my damnedest to get at it, you know? <laughs> just, I'm like, I can't. <laughs> I don't know if that's an image I ever needed. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the other thing, and this is what I realized when, if I was, if okay, so I didn't realize this beforehand. And I think there was this thing of like, I, as much as I wanted to talk about the entirety of Barbarian, <laughs> I also, one minute, one minute. I also, um, I realized that I'm talking for like, it's, it's a monologue for a good almost half an hour, right? So there's this thing of like, I want to get it done quick because I don't want to be doing it forever. But also, it's kind of boring for you not to chime in and for us to not talk about the things I'm talking about, right? So there are times I'm like, come on, Chris, I want to get this done. But I'm like, actually, you chiming in made it way more interesting and funny. Like, it really did. Like, we would joke about parts. And I'm like, that's the way it should have been. And then I was like, okay, well, 
it seems like that's actually better suited for like a whole episode. We both watch the movie and then we we go through it beat by beat and then laugh and talk about what happens, right? A la Frighteners. Yeah, that was decent. Yeah, that was decent. Um, I wish I, which is weird because I've seen Frighteners so many times, but I, I saw Barbarian once and it was like imprinted onto my brain. <laughs> like I, I, dude, I, Mike Dark when I watched a movie, I think it was yesterday or Wednesday. Yeah, it was Wednesday. What? Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was called Pearl and it's the prequel to a movie called X. And it's a very, it's like if John Waters did horror, but also a little more contemporary than that. But it, there's campiness to it, right? I, I have to ask because I meant to ask while you were while you were talking about Barbarian last episode. Mm. Are these Darko suggestions? I feel like these are Darko film suggestions. Okay, so Barbarian. Uh, so I've been trying to get into horror like Darko is. I find his his fascination with it fascinating. So I want to like piggyback on it and get his like. I'm like, oh, what do you think mm -hmm. is the coolest thing? What do you think is the best thing to watch? Mm -hmm. And um, so when I see stuff about horror, I immediately I'm like, oh, Darko like would like that right so i'm interested in it and there's little things that all of you are interested in that if i see i'm like oh they're interested in that i should read about that right so um with respect to the horror movie i, I saw that it had just come out and that it had gotten like good um reviews so i was like oh mm -hmm. let's check it out and, and then i told dark about it and he was like yeah i want to watch that too so yeah we watched it and then with pearl um that's a darko and mike thing they both watched x and x is about okay it's about an elderly woman and her husband on this farm and these young folk uh, rent the farm because it's an Airbnb uh, to shoot a porno film. And she is very um, homicidal and undersexed. So that is X. And the, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And uh, <laughs> that's a movie. <laughs> the old woman in the film is actually played by a, a young woman in old people makeup. And the her name's Mia Goth. She's an amazing actor. She's she blew my mind. Um, so she plays her younger self in the prequel Pearl, uh, without all the old people makeup and stuff. And um, mm -hmm. it just shows how her mental breakdown in her life and how she became the crazy, undersexed, over crazy, murderous lady. Um, turns out she was probably already kind of broken inside. She's like one of those people who were going to be a psychopath. Um, right, but yeah, it was it was an interesting movie. Uh, not as wild and crazy as X. Uh, more um, a slow burn until the very end. It's one of those where like you just it builds up and builds up, and then she yeah. just snaps. Right, it's yeah. kind of like a carry situation. So, yeah, that movie was great, but I couldn't I couldn't tell you everything that happened. Like I could with Barbarian. Barbarian was like such a well constructed movie. It was like it was constructed like perfect little segments of like this is what's supposed to happen here, right? I think I know what was missing from Pearl. Oh no. Sexy Bill Sarsgaard. Sexy Bill Sarsgaard. Yes, dude. Yes. That's <laughs> that that's why you didn't memorize it. You you weren't traumatized by the loss of sexy Bill Sarsgaard. Like you are traumatized by the loss of sexy Henry Henry Cavill. Yeah. As you were uh, as you were talking about that, I'm like, man, this sounds like it's going to be a weird comparison, but do you remember when Kevin Smith did Zack and Miri make a porno? Yeah. I feel like this is like Pearl sounds like something if he had made Zack and Miri after he did Red State 
And after he got his weird, like, he did his weirder, low-budget experimental horror stuff, like Tusk. I think it could definitely fit into that, like, low-budget horror thing. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. Um, yeah, there's this one part. There's there's a sexy guy in, in the movie. I don't I don't know the actor's name, but he's like, um, just, he looked like uh, Teddy Roosevelt when he was uh, young, you know, mm-hmm. or um, a young, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, uh, oh, man, it's on the tip of my tongue. This guy's like the sexiest guy ever. Oh, crap. What's his name? Clooney? Hmm? <laughs> Clooney? Clooney? No, 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 no. Um, he's like an old actor. I can't remember his name. I'm going to actually, I'm going to text Monica. She, she knows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just because we're, just because we're talking about movies, uh, it, I'll quickly say it because I know I know you have little interest in it. In fact, you angrily texted me about me watching it last night. Uh, last night, Jill and I got around to watching, uh, finally watching Thor: Love and Thunder. Mm-hmm. I was super frustrated during that movie, um, and I can almost articulate it down to two actors and their very different performances because I'm like these actors and their performances are in two very different movies. And I am much more interested in one, and I'd like the other if it was in, if this movie was entirely that. Mm. So Christian Bale as Gore the God, I think it's Gore the God Butcher, mm. his performance and everything he was bringing to that role, outstanding. Like, I was like, this is an, like, you could get an A-plus dark, twisted, uh, quasi-horror comic story with this character and this performance, and I think Hemsworth could do this as well. Because even though, yes, he's charming and he has, like, a natural charisma and humor to him, I think he can do some of the drama stuff well. But that was only for snippets of the movie. Mm. The rest, it was, like, too much comedy, too many jokes going dragging on and on and then the performance that highlights it is russell crowe as zeus where he's injecting this weird uh, borderline irreverent uh quasi flamboyant energy to it where i'm like this is kind of odd um and i'm just like these don't tonally it's not balanced like they did a much better balance of that kind of thing in Ragnarok. This was way too much the pendulum to the humor side. And the whole time I'm just like, I'm getting actively angrier and angrier. The more Christian Bale's on the screen, because I want that movie. I want the movie that he was acting in and mm. he was bringing so much to. And then we're suddenly back to this other stuff where I'm like, damn it. It's not as good as that. Give me that. Yeah. And I feel like, um, Oh, wow. I just heard a lot of reverb on my voice, which I didn't hear before. Anyway, so, okay, first thing, the guy from Pearl, the old-time movie actor, uh, the, the sexiest movie mm-hmm. actor ever, Paul Newman. That's that's the, the guy reminding me of, Paul Newman. So, in addition, <laughs> it, it's interesting that you, 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 had, you had mentioned that there was a, a better balance in Ragnarok than there was in this movie because I feel like Ragnarok mm-hmm. didn't have, like, it, it would lend itself more to a leaning towards the funnier side. Um, and you would feel like that if there's going to be a misbalance, that would be the movie in which it would be in. And if you're going to have someone as like with, with the, I don't want to say the gravitas, um, cause that's not the correct word, but like the gravity, I guess, uh, uh, of a part like, um, uh, what's his name? Gore, Gore, the, Gore, the God butcher, the God butcher. 
and the performance uh, of said character by Christian Bale, like something that's so weighty, right? You can't you can't juxtapose that against something even more funny and slapsticky and whatever than Ragnarok. That you know you need to bring it down. You need to like give credence to his performance, right? Yeah, and. Like, his character, like, he's manipulating shadows that, like, making creepy bug shadow monsters and everything that visually look fantastic. I'm like, damn, if you, like, the tension's here in these scenes right now, but if you stripped away the the comedy aspect of the rest of the movie and the lighter side that this movie is channeling as well, mm. like, holy crap, this could be, like, something different and, and special. Um it was more like, I, I don't know if it was Marvel pushing Taika or Taika and Hemsworth being like, hey, Ragnarok really worked because of that, like of how much fun we were having. Let's double down. And it was too much in that direction. Uh, the other part was it was way too much of a Guns N' Roses love fest. Mm. Um, Guns N' Roses is already a step down from Led Zeppelin. So when we're getting that music video slow-mo stuff like you got from Ragnarok, but with Immigrant Song, it was awesome. But now it's like, welcome to the jungle and sweet child of mine. I'm like, nah, it's not as effective. And one of the characters at one point was even like, no, nah, my name's Axel. Uh, my, I, I looked into Earth's history and he was a cool rock star. I'm like, ugh. Oh, like immediately took me out. <laughs> Just oh, <laughs> yeah, that sounds gross. I don't want to talk about it anymore. So <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm happy I watched it, but now I need now I know I don't need to watch it again, or at least for a very long time. <laughs> now I know I didn't need to. <laughs> something you've uh, what's something you've checked out recently that you've enjoyed, be it a show song something you've been like excited about happy with <laughs> well me and a few like-minded individuals have uh started planning clandestine um <laughs> highly illegal operations against key individuals in the government and <laughs> am i gonna be is this gonna implicate me in some investigation am i gonna get a call from the police about oh. this episode Chris, you're far more implicated than you could possibly imagine. Are you familiar with the term oh, fall crap. guy? Does fall guy mean anything? <laughs> Why me? <laughs> like, like Terry on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Why? Why? <laughs> um, and I'm really excited about it. I think we're going to do a lot of good in the world. No, um, that's not true at all. I'm not doing anything. Yeah, sure. um, <laughs> What am I playing? I'm playing. I'm playing this game called Triangle Strategy, which is really neat. It's. Uh, I don't know. It's not interesting. I don't. I can go into the details of it, but it's. It kind of reminds me of Ogre Battle. Like I. I spent. You know how I spent like those days playing Ogre Battle. No. Oh, okay. Remember, I, I think. I, yeah, I told you in, in the last episode. No, I think it was Midnight Suns. I was playing by that point. That was the one you were playing a lot. Yeah. Oh, I, I, that was less destructive, but it's somewhat similar. So the Ogre Battle thing was like, I've been wanting to play that game for 20 years. I played it when, last time I played it, I was like 14, right? Or Right, yes, yes, that game. Well, not even 14, I think I was like 12. Like, it was, I was so young, and I loved it so much, so I wanted to replay it, and I was finally able to play it. So I, I that's all I did for like five days. I just did that all day, every day. And right. when it was over, I was so glad. But I started playing Triangle Strategy, which weirdly is like ogre battle okay so 
the whole Ogre Battle thing started when they re-released Ogre Battle Tactics, which is a, a Game Boy Advance sequel to Ogre Battle, and it plays differently. It's a tactics game. So in Ogre Battle, you had an overworld map. You had your units. Each unit had five characters, and they slowly moved around the map, and they would come into contact with enemy units, and then like the battle map would come up, and then you'd have them do their moves at each other, right? But you didn't really control the battle. It's just sort of, you know, their moves were set based on where they were on a three-by-three three grid. Anyway, tactics, it's more like you have your arena right like your setting like mm -hmm. it could be a castle it could be a field whatever and it's all squares and you just move your characters along the squares and they have a certain like they can move a certain amount of distance they can do a certain amount of attacks mm -hmm. in their turn you know so mm -hmm. tactics strategy is a lot like that your triangle strategy is a lot like that but it reminds me of ogre battle where like every character you have is a unique character yeah. and they all have a story so it's not like you know, you might have like two or three main characters or one main character leading a unit like in Ogre Battle 64. Every character is like a main character, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the art style is like the new sort of 2D, 3D art style where it's like it's 2D, but you can like change the camera angle and <clears throat> and it actually is sort of 3D. So um, I don't know, man. It's just it's really, really neat. Like it's about um, it's like a political turmoil in this land and three countries and each country like one controls the iron one controls the salt and the other controls the plains like where the farming is done and stuff right and you're the leader um of the the house that uh that are in charge of like the farms and shit and uh yeah there's this civil war what goes down and it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah. What, what, what about what? you, man? <laughs> what are you enjoying? <laughs> Why do you sound so defeated? I was happy uh, hearing what you're enjoying. <laughs> uh, I just, I don't know. I, I It's weird because I want to talk about the negative stuff. And then after I do, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't feel good. <laughs> Which is weird. No, I get that. Yeah, you would think it'd be the opposite. You'd think it'd be cathartic, but it's not. <laughs> and, and it. And sometimes it is, but mm. the, like I got it off my chest, but it's almost like that feeling comes in like four or five hours or days. <laughs> but the immediate part is like, ah, oh, I just relived it. And now I feel gross. <laughs> like yeah. That kind of thing. It's like I just, I yeah. just said it out loud in the most comprehensive manner possible. And the whole weight of the reality of this situation is now on top of me. And where it wasn't before, it was sort of like intangential in my mind. Right. <laughs> Or inter it's almost like it was internalized and yes, it's good to get it external, but there's still the immediate aftermath where it's just like, oh, now I just feel it all around. Yeah, and, now it's on uh, top of me. Yeah. It's like I'm sitting in it like one of Darko's farts. Gosh. <laughs> um, that guy farted so much movie night, dude. He's farting. In fact, when he was leaving, he farted as he was leaving my house. <laughs> So he was crop dusting. And he farted at me like I was whole... right behind him. He's just... <laughs> like, okay, man. So, and then <laughs> walks. <laughs> oh man! Uh, I, before I before I because I don't have much to share. Uh, but before I do, I meant to ask during Midnight Suns, uh, role did um, what role did Ghost Rider like? What was his character character role like? Was he like the powerhouse? No, no. Okay, so uh, the old Ghost Rider is also in it. So the uh, the old white Johnny Blaze, Johnny Blaze is in it. Johnny Blaze. Uh, okay. And the Ghost Rider in this one is a young Mexican dude. I can't remember his name. 
Danny Reyes. Reyes. Oh, he might be Puerto Rican. I don't know. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I like. No, no, no. They. I. 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 I can't. I haven't read many of Danny's stories. I think I've read one. I'm not sure if it's like he's set as as Mexican, Puerto Rican, or just like the that Colombian nondescript Latino. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he, I don't know, he, so he does have a role to play in the story. And with respect to, like, his character's role in battle, um, I don't use him a lot. In fact, I think he's one of the people I use the least. Um, his abilities are more, like, sucking health from people and, um, lighting them on fire, I guess. Um, yeah, a lot of his abilities involve damaging himself. Or uh, create, yeah, yeah, because he he'll damage himself to damage them. I don't know. It just doesn't seem necessary, given that like almost no other characters have that ability. Um, he had a, a, he has an ability that I enjoy, where it's like one of his special ones, where he jumps on the hood of the car and it just plows through all the enemies in the line <laughs> and right. and just messes them up. But it throws out every other card in your hand, so it's kind of like a last ditch card. Um, one thing about uh, that game is that Spider-Man 100% kills people. <laughs> like there is, there is a part where he, he punches a dumpster into a guy, Chris, and it's it's like a, it's so fast, it's like a Family Guy fall. It's just bop. Like, like I'm like, dude, that man, his internal organs are mush. Like he has been. <laughs> That's because I've replayed both uh, Spider-Man and Miles Morales. Uh, least once this year and i actually might replay him again it might get me more in the christmas spirit miles has a like the miles game has a great christmas aesthetic mm. but as i'm playing it i'm like i'm electrocuting electric punching people off a skyscraper they're they're plummeting and then this like because spider-man doesn't kill it's like the web catches the side of a building and then propels him into it. I'm like, oh. if I apply any real, uh, if I apply any real physics, I'm pretty sure I've killed this guy. Yeah. And then also you'll get those animations where I've sent you pictures I've taken during the game. It's like, I just decked a dude and there's a post through him. Yeah. And it's like, he's still alive. There's so, I so badly wanted to take a video to show you just like, <laughs> Because the the speed and force with which like these things I've I've I rarely like I really enjoy it because it's the kind of speed and force I want to see out of superhero movies and games that you rarely actually see. <laughs> it seems like a genuinely accurate depiction of the physics of that kind of strength, and it's right. terrifying. <laughs> the the only reason I asked about Ghost Rider is just because like I don't know the game as much as you were describing mm. but I'm like any incarnation uh, what to me cuz I know some of those games with the various roles I'm like there's a powerhouse section and unless it's the Hulk Ghost Rider should be there cuz Ghost Rider is like canonically one of the strongest characters in Marvel like he's got that visual aesthetic where you don't think it but he could hold his own toe-to-toe -to -toe against world war hulk mm. like he could go to blows with thor or any of the other like physically strongest characters because of like the demonic powers and hellfire and everything that he has like he is insanely strong mm. so i was just curious i'm like 
not many people put him in that powerhouse role, but I'm like, he's a natural fit because the dude's incredibly strong. Um, no, I was just curious. Yeah, so I think they, they didn't really know what to do with him because he seems to be a little bit of, like, everyone. Of He doesn't seem to settle into one. Because, like I said, he has, like, the lifesteal powers, but he also has that car mm-hmm. that just, it's a sort of an area of, of effect, but it's more just like a thick line, and if any enemy is in that right. line, they get wrecked. Um, right. And so a lot of his powers, he's an interesting character to use in concert with other ones. I would say the powerhouses are Captain Marvel, um makes sense your custom character is pretty damn like strong like punchy um mm-hmm. and i think the third one would probably be cap uh but he's also he's he doubles like he's sort of a support guy because he can give people block mm-hmm. um he does punch pretty hard uh but he's also an area of effect guy with the shield right because it bounces off enemies and stuff yeah um cap cap i think would be more like the tactician or the defense player like not like he can't be offense but his weapon's a shield mm-hmm. it's inherently defensive <laughs> yeah he's more area of effect defense team buff um but i'd say but your character the main character also is too but your, the main character also has some pretty heavy hits but i would say captain right. marvel out of all of them is the the tank that makes sense for sure uh like that I, makes sense yeah, like uh, Spidey and Wolverine are very much um, crab control. Um, a lot of also makes sense chain attacks and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. So um, Spidey has a Spidey's the best man. He's the best character. He has a, a, a an ability you can use where you can start doing because there's all sorts of things in the arena that you can use mm-hmm. to attack people with. Like there's like maybe a big ammo box you can kick into someone or. Um, something hanging from a crane that you can break and or like a lamp pole that you can all sorts of stuff um, but those cost heroism points like we were talking about last episode and those are not <laughs> unlimited but what's cool about this card is that you can go do three without using any heroism points and you get mm. all, uh, three extra moves that turn by moves I mean literally your character moving around the thing you can, usually you only get one right. you can only reposition one character intentionally right Otherwise, you'd have to okay. use abilities to get them over to like enemies and stuff like that. So, um, so then then he can jump around the map just like throwing shit down and like kicking dumpsters <laughs> into people and stuff. And it's all before he used... causing them that a Family Guy fall and <laughs> yeah, and, and you're not using any card plays or heroism and and it's basically like you can take out three or four guys before you even start playing your round. It's fantastic. The Batman approach. The Batman. It is, it is very Batman. You've pre-planned everything where it's like, all right, I know this guy's going to... I'm going to take this punch because it's just quicker to take the punch at, so I can get through him and then to the person behind him and then that dude over there. Like, mm-hmm. It's most cost-efficient for me to take the punch as I plow through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. No, There's some really... I like I like Doctor Strange's character. He has some interesting abilities. Um, maybe not as interesting as you would think given his potential abilities but um iron man they did a really good job with him and his abilities that's a lot of fun um there's something i wanted to say oh it'd be really nice to see a a sequel to the game because i feel like there's a lot they could have done with the animations that it could have been a lot better um Mm -hmm. like it's it's interesting it's fun it's not bad but like i'm like oh they could have made this more cinematic when you're doing moves and there's these moves where um they're like gang up moves so you and like another teammate do a crap load of damage and when they show it it's like a a color background like a like you're rushing through a warp you know a, a warp hole 
So it's like yellow mm-hmm. with a bunch of white and it's like moving and stuff. And it's all like a, a action Power Rangers action scene type of thing. And you're, but I'm like, that's lame, dude. I want to see them in the environment we were just in really like, and it, and it sucks because yeah. they don't, they don't work in tandem. It's just like one hero punches and now we're featuring the other hero and they punch and now we're featuring, and it should be like one hero punches the guy up in the air. The other hero grabs him and throws him down. Like, it should be stuff like that. Right. I'd really like to yeah. see that. That'd be neat. Uh, almost like Arkham meets wrestling meets Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> turn-based RPG. Yeah, like Arkham if you had a if it was co-op and you guys could like play off yeah. of each other and throw the enemies into each other and stuff, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's where that's where I was referencing um the wrestling games because tag matches, right? Like yeah. you can throw a guy in the corner and then you'll double team them and then it'll go back to one on one, but still it's got it would set up those animations or. Or Arkham City, or sorry, Arkham um, Arkham Knight, where, yeah, it's a one-player game, but you'd be in a fight as a group with either Nightwing or Robin, or then in the prequel level, uh, Robin and Batgirl. And then it's like, at one point, you'd be able to, like, you'd see them fighting in the background, but then you'd be able to press a combo button where it's like, hey, now we're going to, like, tag team beat down a guy and then i'm gonna switch the character Mm -hmm. instead of just like hey i'm gonna punch and then you're just gonna see us in the background like this waiting our turn yeah 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 yeah. it would be i i I don't know if it was like you know it's their first they 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 just made the game so it it never existed before then so um or maybe they don't realize that's an issue I, i find that that to be um something in games where you know obviously there's you know you can be unreasonable you can be asking for too much what i feel what i'm asking for i feel like isn't that unreasonable and isn't too much um so i feel like uh i don't know i just i wish i knew what the the actual process behind the game was I, i'd like to do some video game reporting but uh, apparently that's not a real thing anymore so <laughs> <laughs> um and I'll, I'll just quickly, I'll, like my quick share is the stuff I've been kind of interested in lately. Yeah. Um, when I've been watching things, it's been uh, a great uh, Doctor Who uh, retrospective on um, on YouTube by uh, a guy whose channel is called Clever Dick Films. Uh, he'll do in-depth retrospectives um, of each Doctor and their era. Um, he recently got up to through the 11th Doctor's era. It's what I find really fascinating is there's very little editorializing, like he'll share his opinion, but it won't be this whole season sucked because it wasn't what I liked. Mm. Like he'll still rep, he'll still say like, yeah, I didn't really enjoy this. I can see why others did, but, and also here's the stuff that I did enjoy. Like he'll try to be very even handed and it's just very, very interesting because it's a bit of the behind the scenes stuff and like what was going on with the show, what was working and all that. Just just very fascinating, um, well-constructed stuff. Uh, Music-wise, um, like I shared with you, and I know you're not there, the uh, not a fan, so I'll be quick with it. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, Metallica had a new single drop, uh, Lux Eterna, and it's for a new album they've got dropping. And it's like, to me, it's dope. It's, it's a solid like three-minute thrash track. Um, but weirdly enough, on first listen, it actually reminded me of what an early idea for their Saint Anger album was going to be or the producer Bob Rock's idea of it. Because Saint Anger, the idea that generated it was like, hey, it's going to be a band's first time, like the first album they're recording together in a garage. Like we're going to strip back the production a bit. Um 
except the band's Metallica. And that's the vibe I get from this track. Like, mm-hmm. yes, it's a it's a produced song, so it is polished. But it's like the especially the guitar solo. It's something not everybody is a fan of. I'm like, no, it works within the song, and it's got that jam vibe, where it's like, if you were to tell me this was a band who had been practicing together, but they're they're playing their first album, and they're just like, hey, no, we're gonna throw in some jam off the cuffs off the cuff stuff. Mm-hmm. It fits, and I really dig that vibe for the song. So I'm like. I'm excited for the album now. I'm not expecting the ex- the whole album to be Lux Eterna, but it was a dope track. Uh, so it's n- it's cool to get those vibes, even from a band that's been around for so long, where it's like, no, nah, they're they're clearly enjoying what they do. You could say they're making music for themselves, but in a way that works, mm. and it's it's going to be for the most part fan pleasing. So that was that was nice for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I, uh, I could see like getting to an age where you're just like. Do what I want. If this is what we want to no. do. This is what we're gonna. And if people don't think it's real Metallica, well then, you know, they don't get to be Metallica. So screw. Them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I'm gonna go play this in front of uh, thousands and thousands of people. So what you think isn't real Metallica doesn't actually matter. <laughs> well, it's exactly. And it's it's interesting to me now to see where the band's at. Where it's like, hey, we're gonna do. They need like so many people have strong opinions against their load and reload era, which I get. And I understand because it was almost like they weren't as into the, only the basis Jason Newstead was even listening to metal at the time. Het was listening to country. He was really getting into like Waylon Jennings and that. Um, and Lars and Kirk, I'd argue were to a degree chasing trends and that impacted both of those albums and then two degrees saint anger as well death magnetic was a response to that where it's like hey we're going to try to return to form rick rubin is going to help us get there like it Did that but work? it wasn't quite ba- yeah i'd say it was it was trying to be back to basics but if i'm going to point uh metallica albums out as basic uh, Death Magnetic was almost and Justice for All, which was a really good album, but also to a degree too high concept to like it's we watch CNN as they're talking about depressing stuff and things got overproduced where if you want a basic album, that's Kill em All. Kill em All is a thrash album. Yeah, it'll talk about death or other things, but it's also got a number of tracks that are being, we're a thrash metal band, touring as a thrash metal band. We're going to have songs about the fun of singing in clubs in a thrash metal band. You cannot get more basic than Kill Em All. And this is the most back to basics the band has been. I enjoy their non-basic stuff, but Death Magnetic was like, and Justice for All 2.0. It wasn't back to basics mm. and so it's got its room for it i enjoy death magnetic i enjoyed hardwired to self-destruct but this i'm like this feels like the og in a way vibe wise the sequel to the og album which is really cool oh wow i mean yeah I, I, no, no 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 i'm just like singles i don't know i was gonna say singles aren't necessarily like i would i would keep my expect i would i would just you know Oh, but at the same time, oh, no, no, no. I feel like when we're talking about Metallica, I feel like they, they are probably indicative of the album. <laughs> well, it it can be, and that's the thing. I'm also not ex- uh, like it could just be this song. 
it could very well just be the song. Yeah. The whole album could go in various directions. Yeah. But if the single is a mission statement, it should then be. That's it's... the implicit agreement between the listener and the band. <laughs> but a lot of times, the bands are, are too full of their own crap where they're like, like I'll, I'll tell this out, which is either the only good song on the album or is not indicative of the style in any way whatsoever. <laughs> well, and and not taking away from Death Magnetic, because mm. I, I enjoy that album a lot. It's got some fantastic tracks that I keep going back to. But part of the thing, like whole, the whole Rick Rubin appeal is like, hey, I'm going to like it's getting a band back to their to a degree to their roots. I'm not saying he didn't because he did. Because he got them back more in, he got them back in the more of like, hey, we're back to writing what you'd consider more traditional heavy metal mm. than, uh, than alternative metal or borderline new metal or anything like that. He got them more there. But if I'm looking at the most generic definition of basics, not taking away from anything on Kill 'Em All because it does explore some various themes. There's a great song on there called The Four Horsemen that's about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, but it's also an album with Whiplash, which is a song about being in a metal band jamming in clubs. Like, you can't get more basic than that. And this has those vibes. I feel like Ruben, he, because that's sort of like what people attribute to him, but in my experience, mm -hmm the stuff that the bands come out with after they work with him is almost nothing like they were originally, but it's not that it's bad. It's not bad. It's usually, generally it's very good. Um, and I feel like he does a very good job of getting them out of their own way and allowing them to do things that are fun to them again, without having to think too much about like, Oh, should I be doing this? Like, does my career facilitate this? Like, look at what happened with Johnny Cash, right? All of a sudden he comes out with hurt and stuff and it's like, Whoa, this guy's totally re reinvented himself. And he's far more, he has far more depth than we ever would have imagined. And, and all sorts of stuff like that, right? So, um, yeah, I feel like he does a good job of that, of getting them out of their own heads or, or allowing to put all that expectation he's, stuff on his shoulders. He's more of a, I, like, you're, you're into music production. Mm. So I know you, I, I even know, like, you have, I don't want to say issues, because I, but, like, grievances, for lack of another term, like, with how he is as a producer or the credit that's applied. There's the credit that's applied, I think, yeah. And to me, it seems more so, like, not that he doesn't do production, but it seems so stripped back compared to how involved other producers get that I almost want to describe him as, for lack of another term, a guru. Yes. Or an overhead. Or like a therapist. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like an artistic therapist. Yes. Who also knows how to mix, right? Like, it's like, here's yeah. my excuse for being here. Like, I can do the, the, the hard technical <laughs> work. But what I'm really going to do is pull all the strings perfectly to make you get along with each other and have fun. <laughs> yeah yeah or like get you like you're you feel like you can't get back to what you were and you want to get back that so i'm going to remove the things that are blocking you from that mm -hmm. and get you on that way mm -hmm. <laughs> and then i'm going to be like i'm here to get you out of your own way and then i'm going to get out of your way as well yeah like take that load that's on your shoulders put it on mine and you just get to have fun don't worry about anything else right yeah yeah so it like it's just interesting to it's just interesting to me as a fan uh i enjoyed the track i'm not expecting the whole album to be it but it just reminded me of that where i'm like this is the most lighthearted. yeah well hopefully I've, it is uh, ideally it would be right like yeah. that the, that, that the single was indicative of what the album will be 
Oh, yeah. And even if the album is different, because I feel like the band's in a spot now where they're open to doing different things more than while, where it's not manufactured or chasing, where it's like, no, we're going to do what the heck we want. Like they did a, they've always been a charitable band, Mm. but they actually released a charity album where they were doing acoustic versions of some of their songs. Like the acoustic version of Four Horsemen from this charity is my favorite version of the song. It's beyond dope. It's like bluegrass meets thrash. I'm like, give me a whole album of this. Give me a Hetfield solo album. (laughs) (laughs) I love that dude. (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's dope. All right, so listener, uh, at the time this episode drops, it will be uh, during the week of between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, So we hope you are having uh, a safe and happy holidays, uh, as much rest as possible. And whatever that, uh, whatever it is that's relaxing and good for you at the time that will be, you know, won't harm others or yourself. That's what we're hoping for. So you can tell I we spend I, a lot of time online because there's so many disclaimers. <laughs> Anything that anyone can possibly oh, yeah. criticize a statement about, it, I'm going to like go in and, and make sure that they can. <laughs> no, well, it's more so like I was talking to one person. They're like, oh, yeah, no, I'm just going to be hammered the whole time. I'm like, oh, okay. And they're like, yeah, no, I'm going to go see my cousins get hammered. And then I'm, they, they were talking about traveling a lot. I'm just like, please tell me you're going to be sober during this, at least while the traveling aspect is happening. So that's what I mean. Yeah. Just that little bit like, Hey, be safe and responsible while doing the things. relaxing. Yeah. yeah it's okay. Do things that like are relaxing for you and that make you happy. If those things involve hurting other people, even potentially, then don't engage in them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's yeah. all we're saying. Yeah. And then uh, this, so this is the final recording of 2022. Here's hoping 2023 is a much better year for not just the show, but for everybody. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, on that note. (laughs) All right. On that note, dear listener, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. We hope you, uh, we hope you had fun with us and that you got to hear the joy we were having. We hope you had that as well, <laughs> despite this. That's actually something I like about our show, dude. Like, even though we will at times work ourselves into a shoot and we'll feel that grittiness afterwards, there's still also a joy in these episodes. There's like, you'll notice it because you edit them. There's a lot of genuine deep-hearted laughter in yeah, it. Yeah. And I love that. And I, I hope that comes across and that people feel that as well. All right. Well, listener, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and we will see you early in 2023 take care everyone uh, bye <laughs> chop 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 till you chopped in half I'm gonna stop 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 till you chopped in half chop 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 till you chopped in half I'm gonna stop 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 till you chopped in half I see the stars tonight it's a beautiful sight and now we keep on chopping till the morning time Two hundred million years to do. It's not the Grand Canyon that I'm gonna 